took off, didn't it? And there were quite a few questions that came in, some in the comments, um, and most of them were you know, very nicely put. There were a few that accused me of this, that, or the other. Uh, one even saying I'd, I was undoing everything that Jesus came to do, as if what Jesus came to do was to make sure everybody went to hell for eternity, uh, except for a very, very select few, just the remnant. And of course, the person who said that believes they're in that remnant. You know, that's the way that works, isn't it? Uh, our team's right, the other teams are wrong, and they're gonna pay for it, and we're gonna know that they're gonna pay for it. That's, um, that's not an attractive part of humanity, if I'm being honest. Uh, by no means all, but many who believe in raptures and tribulations and uh, battles of uh, Armageddon, or sometimes called Armageddon, um, there, there's just this little smacking of, well, those sinners are going to catch it then. And in the Battle of um, Armageddon, then we'll be able to even participate in getting our own back against the sinners. And that's just not terribly attractive. And the way we latch on to hell and we're terrified if it is not what we were told it was, that doesn't necessarily speak well of our inner hearts being able to listen to the good news. And again, that's a very broad brush and it paints a lot of people wrongly. And so just be aware, talking about a, a tendency in our human hearts that wanna see justice done. And if not here, then there. And we want to know it's being done. So there are questions that can be asked and we're going to try to cover those. But this particular one, we're going to talk about the word eternity because that has been throwing off people. If, uh, as one person who is a very, very dear friend of mine texted me, he said, I get really immediately defensive anytime I hear that a word has not been translated correctly for the last 2,000 years, but the speaker knows how it should be translated. And my friend was absolutely right. You should have your hackles up and your, uh, your bows and arrows ready. However, that's not exactly what I said. What I said was this. They did not have the concept and a word for the concept that we have for the word eternal. That was not in their vocabulary. But they did have a word. And because I've also been told I talk way too fast and I just start throwing scriptures out, I'm gonna ask you to then um, allow me just to speak and turn some pages in my Bible. Uh, I don't have it on a computer in front of me. That would cause all kinds of different lines and reflections. So I'm just gonna turn pages and I'm gonna show you some places where the word uh, for eternity, A-I-O-N in the Greek, if we were to uh, move those to English names for the letters, A-I-O-N. Now, that's where we can get the, that's where we get the word eon E-O-N from, and most of us know what an eon means. It means a very vast amount of time, a long time, but eon never has meant to us that whatever's going on for an eon will never end. So what are we gonna do with this word? Well, the translators uh, are not at all consistent on this because it's a difficult word. And translators are, I don't believe translators are moving from false motives or trying to hide things by any stretch. A-I-O-N, 
it appears uh, about 400 times. Uh, it's a Greek word. And you might say, well, what about back in the Old Testament? Almost everything we've got from the Old Testament comes from Greek translations. There are some Hebrew and Aramaic and Syriac bits and pieces, but uh, the Septuagint, the version of the Old Testament that Paul used most often, was entirely Greek. It had been translated by Jews into Greek and various stories about how that came apart, uh, uh, about rather. So we have the word A-I-O-N, eon, ion, for about 400 times. It is um, an adjective, as in eternally, um, about a hundred times. It's translated a variety of ways. Eternal, everlasting, but also age-enduring, or as uh, an age-ending. It, it's just, generally, it, demo it denotes a period of time, uh, and that can be even small. In the word, uh, in the Septuagint, uh, A-I-O-N is used for the Hebrew word olam, O-L-A-M. And when you start pulling out every incidence that you find A-I-O-N, or I'm just going to call it uh, eon from now on, you're going to quickly find that it doesn't mean what it means when we say eternal. And again, this is not a dodge. They deal with it the best they can within their context, but they're translating words that by the time they reached us, we had a different concept when we hear that word. Here's an example. Many, many, many people who are dear friends of mine uh, and uh, scholars that I looked up to uh, have talked to me in recent years about the concept of a redeemed earth, that instead of heaven being some far off celestial kingdom with uh, harps and us sitting on clouds, which that's not in the Bible, uh, that we are to be redeeming the earth, uh, kind of Adam's original job that he failed and then Jesus comes and he has us and Holy Spirit to redeem this earth and that eventually this earth will be heaven uh, and we will live here. And I've, I've always said, you know, I think the Bible supports that view. I believe also you could make a counter argument against it. I'm not sure that the Bible is all that clean. And about two weeks ago, I brought that up and said, I endorse the mystery and I'm very comfortable with mystery because I trust God. I just trust him. He's gonna do the right thing. He's gonna do the good, loving, grace-filled, right thing. And he's also gonna be just. And so I'm gonna to have to leave that to him. However, when people hear the redeemed earth theory, they will come back with certain verses such as, well, the earth and the elements that are therein shall be burned up. How can that be a redeemed? Well, and I get it. I do. I absolutely get it. Until you realize that that passage may not be talking about dirt, rocks, trees, and bunnies when it says the earth will be burned up. That there were other words for earth. There were time words like eos, which is related to young. There were time words, system words. So that when Jesus says, don't love the world, neither the things that are in the world, he wasn't talking about rocks, trees, and bunnies. He was talking about the world's systems of doing things, in which case that verse we just quoted could be saying uh, that all of the bad stuff is going to be burned out of the earth, refined by fire. And that burning doesn't have to be in some big cataclysmic event. It could be in the uh, 
uh, the slow redeeming of the earth by the believers in Christ, plus the Holy Spirit's work and then the return of Jesus. And yes, I'm very well aware that the Bible, although it talks about the return of Jesus, never says he will step earth, uh, step a foot on this earth again. And before you start running to Revelation, please remember what is not in those passages. It doesn't talk about an earthly throne. It doesn't talk about Jerusalem. And I could go on, but that's not our subject. Maybe we should do that another time. All I'm saying is this, one verse that is used to kill the concept of redeemed earth may actually be backing up redeemed earth. Because in their day, when there was going to be the fall of a government, a fall of a political system, a, flaw, a fall of worship and false gods, they would refer to it as the sun and moon and stars falling to earth and the earth burning up and everything in it. When they weren't talking about an actual fire, this was their language. In fact, in Hebrew today, modern Hebrew, uh, whenever they tell you to turn on the lights, it's the words actually mean to light a candle, but everybody knows you're not lighting a candle. Words are complicated. So let's just see how they're used. I mentioned some of this early on, but we're going to actually look at some. God said he would dwell in the temple of Solomon forever. Forever. A-I-O-N, or in the Hebrew, Olam, O-L-A-M. Um, where, where does God dwell now? According to Christ and according to Paul, he, he lives in us now. We are the temple. Well, did, didn't he say he was going to live in the, Sol in temples, the temple of Solomon for, forever? He did. Was he wrong? No. It was for the age. He was going to live in there as long as he was to be in there. It's a matter of faith, and you'd... You assume you'll be there next you know, Friday and Saturday when you go. And again, do you trust God? Do you trust God? I mean, that's really what it comes down to. But he said forever. He used the same word that we use when we talk about hell or heaven. And yet it wasn't forever. How about the Aaronic uh, priesthood? The priesthood of Aaron and the people of his tribe and Levi. And that was to be an ordinance forever. Is it now? Well, the Mormons have tried to resurrect it and they've made it a, a whole different thing. But um, no, it's not now. It isn't. Did that mean God made a mistake? No, it lasted as long as it needed to last. Exactly as long as it needed to last. And the word used, A-I-O-N. Well, there are so many more. How about circumcision? Circumcision is an eternal covenant. Paul would write later, circumcision means nothing. Paul wrong? Was Jesus wrong to be kind to Gentiles and touch them and eat with them? The uncircumcised. No, he did, he did attack uncircumcised people, but they were circumcised. <laughs> he was using that against the uh, scribes, Pharisees, and the, uh, all of those. You know, he's gone, you, you're uncircumcised in heart and minds. Well, that's a metaphor. We don't actually do a physical circumcision. But that was to be forever, a covenant forever. How many times was that said? Is it now? No. 
So in the New Testament, does it get any clearer? Not really. Uh, Matthew 23, and like I said, I'm gonna be looking down. Try not to do that. I try to look at you. Uh, rather than look at me, I try to look at you. But I'm gonna need to look down, all right? Uh, in Matthew 24, verse three, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Guess what the word age there is? Eon, Ion, A-I-O-N. Same word, same word used for heaven and hell and translated eternal or eternally elsewhere. Eternal about 400 times. Um, well, it shows up 400 times. It's translated in a variety of ways. Eternally about 100 times. Well, um, the end, what will be the end of the age? That's the word they use. Once again, translators are not being dishonest. They have to work with the words you're, you're given. Do you want them to paraphrase this? There are paraphrases out there and they all have blessings and difficulties in them. I don't, I'm not preaching against them. I own a couple uh, and they're fun to read, but they're paraphrases. If you really wanna get, what did the word say? This is what it said. And they were asking when the end of if, if we're going to be sticklers here, eternity is. And that's not what it means. The word is a different word. They didn't have that. They didn't have the word infinity. And certainly didn't have that laying on its side eight. This was not a concept for them. Well, I'm going to keep going. Uh, still in Matthew. And by the way, my page turning skills are not sharp and good. This is why some people say, well, then you need to be, you need to be a, you know, just just do this on your computer. Again, it throws reflections up, but also, uh, I do that. But here, I just want you to know, it's already downloaded in printed form so you can walk around with it. And in case the internet goes down, you've still got it. It's an amazing invention. Um, Matthew 28, verse 20, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Remember the old version said, even into the end of the world? I'm with you always, even into the... What is the word always? A-I-O-N. Into the end of the age. Always until then. Forever until then. I don't know why people miss this, because it's everywhere. We're going to go to Luke 16 now. And by the way, I yelled out some of these verses quickly, citations, and people were going, no, we can't get it. So that's why we're taking another week and we're going a bit slow. And this, this Monday morning message is going to be a bit longer. And I do apologize for that because we try to keep them short enough to be listenable to. Uh, some things just go on a bit. In Luke 16, um, let's limit ourselves to verse 8. Um, do, 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 do. Yeah, is that where I want to go? I've got so many places here I'd like to go. Um, yeah, okay. The master commended the dishonest manager because he'd acted shrewdly. For the people of the world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than the people of the light. And then he goes on and talks about how in all of this, uh, oh, how about going down to um, 
to the rich man and Lazarus. He's in torment. He's in torment. And there's, you know, he says he cannot come here. And it's all in a limited form. It's all in this little box form. And that one, I'm not, I'm just, there's, there's like an hour I would need to do that. So I'm not going to do that. Apologize. Let's, we will go back to it though. How's that? We're going to come back and just deal with the, what I call kill passages, uh, passages people you pull out to kill a concept. And we have those with music. We have those with the LGBTQ community. We have that with um, hell. We've got, we've got people that run out with their hammer verses, their kill verses. We'll deal with that. All right. Uh, we just got started. We're about to, we, when you're watching this, we have about a month to go before we celebrate our one year anniversary of our Seath Harbor. And, um, you know, we haven't been able to get to everything yet, but we, we shall. Luke chapter 20. How about that? Well, this will be a lot clearer. Luke chapter 20. And by the way, and just back there, the shrewd manager and the ways of the world. That word is aeon. A-I-O-N. You know, they, we're shrewd in doing things the ways of this world. It's not even translated age or whatever because it is a concept of a people and a place and a time. This is the way things are on this planet. We don't expect that to change. And then he contrasts that with God uh, and the way God does. In Luke chapter 20, verses 34 and 35. The people of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of taking part in that age, that age, and in the resurrection of the dead, will neither marry nor be given in angels uh, in marriage. Uh, what's going on here? Well, there's the word. Taking part in that age. A-I-O-N. That period of time, the way things are for this period of time. In there is the concept and the understanding that this age will not always be, will not always be. And yet it's the same word that people, well, that are attached to heaven and hell and people get very, very nervous. But please understand, this is a very elastic term. And here's what, it, it, it does bother me when I have people come back and say, well, if I, I plan to be in heaven as much, as long as people are in hell, you know, the same words attached. You know, the same word, but the word in itself is highly elastic and it speaks to a period of time chosen by God to be right. If you don't trust God, okay, this is a problem. But if you do trust God, this is not a problem. Um, and uh, let's go to John. John's my favorite of the Gospels for so many reasons. I just love the way it's written, the light versus darkness. Uh, in, in John chapter 9, an, another passage which we're going to have to go to eventually and just deal with. Uh, Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. Nobody has ever heard. In the Greek there, it has the word for eternity. Never in eternity has anybody opened the eyes of a man born blind. You understand the concept? Sure. Uh, is it any clearer to know that if we did a literal, never in eternity has anybody opened? I don't think it helps the verse any. I think we all understand what the verse means when it just says never 
in history. It's saying the eon, the time that we're in. And I know I'm going back from eon to eon. Um, in case you've missed it when I've said it the other 400 times, I'm lying, it wasn't that many. I'm not a Greek scholar. Uh, I'm not a Hebrew scholar. In fact, Hebrew and Greek don't even answer my calls. But I have friends. And many of them I can talk to directly. Others, I can read their books. I just do that. Here's the thing, you don't have to know everything. You just have to know people who know stuff and trust them enough to get the information and sort it out. We can go to Acts 3. This is going, this is going to take a while, but people said they wanted, they wanted to slow down. We want to get this eternity thing. And I, I get that. I do talk fast. Um, and that's, a, that's not a good thing. I'm aware of that. <clears throat> Acts chapter 3, oh, verse 21. He must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. He must remain in heaven until the time comes, eon comes, a new period of time. And that is the word often translated eternal. And you see how it wouldn't work here at all. It's an elastic term. Think of I screen my calls. I shut the screen door. I just screen out what that person says. And I used a screen to, um, to separate these seeds. We're using the word screen in a variety of ways. And that's not by any stretch the most elastic term in English. You can go read some Bill Bryson on the elasticity of some of the, our, our words they mean so many different things. No wonder English is said to be one of the harder languages to learn. <clears throat> um, this is hard as well. Romans, uh, Romans 12. And you're thinking, wait a minute, I've read Romans 12. It's one of our favorites. Yeah, verse two, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. They could have easily translated this as they often do this age or this period of time. It's the same word other times that will be said eternal. And again, if you're confused, I, can, I think I can understand that. But understand that these people, the world didn't change. They didn't know much history. Um, history was basically religious uh, text. And while we believe that God is reliable, there were other texts around too. But they also didn't believe there's any hope for change in the future, not in the immediate future. And so this is our eternity. This is our age. This is our world. Same way as I tell my grands, don't hope for a better world. Start making one. And we'll see what God does with it. But don't, don't sit around saying, I can't do stuff because the world's awful. No, let's start making a little better world. That's our eternity. This is where we live and die. I hope that helps. Roma, I had a feeling I'm just messing you up. I hate that too, because I really like you. I really do. Um, Romans 16, and that will be, um, where do we wanna go? Okay, here we are, verses 25 and 26. 
Now to him who is able to establish you by my gospel and a proclamation of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, for eons, as we would say, but now revealed and made known through. It's, um, the word's everywhere. How do you translate it? You translate it according to where you find it in context and different translators will vary, but not that much because translation's a science and most people adhere to the rules of the science and they, they try to be legitimately fair with the text. That doesn't mean that human, um, human desires, fears, teachings don't creep in. Of course they do. So I would check several versions. If you're, people say, well, we believe the original manuscripts were perfect and I always go, that's believing in something you can never prove. That's, that's a really difficult thing. Instead, why don't we just buy several translations and check them? Uh, and you can do that with any Bible app. And I have one of those. I just kid people. First uh, Corinthians three eighteen. Do not deceive yourselves. If any of you, if any one of you thinks he is wise by the standards of this age, so that he may should you know, may become wise. There you go. Let me try that again. Do not deceive yourselves. If any one of you thinks he is wise by the standards of this age, he should become a fool so that he may become wise. Paul's trying to tell him this world, this eon, this period of time, this eos, this world system, aeon, A-I-O-N, that's the word used. This system says it is wise and be like it to be wise. Don't be like a fool to them. And there's a great biography of Alexander Campbell called The Fool of God. And I always thought the title was, was brilliant. Um, rather be a fool in the world's eyes. But that's not the point that I'm trying to bring up today. It's saying of this age. Uses the same word. Uh, we have a lot more. I'll, if you don't have time, you can always pause and come back. Or you can say, hey, we got it and move on. But 2 Corinthians <clears throat> chapter 4 and verse 4. The God of this age has blinded the eyes of the unbelievers. Of this eternity, this period of time. Same word. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2. By the way, you can look all this stuff up. There are online Greek lexicons, concordances. Uh, but Young's analytical concordance never uses the word eternal or, eternal or eternity for aeon. Uh, it just doesn't do it. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2. Uh, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. They translated world instead of time or age there. This world. How about um, same chapter? Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 7. So that in, in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. So not in this world, but in the worlds to come. The periods of time to come. There will be seasons of refreshing. And these seasons, these times, are eons. Uh, the, the little book of Philemon, which is ignored to our peril, I think, um, and, and verse 15 talks again about this period of time, this, this age 
in which we're in. And it's, um, um, it's everywhere. All right, I'm just gonna put it that way. And again, I quoted uh, G. Campbell Mor Morgan some time ago, uh, a very, very well-known historical personages in the field of theology and Bible studies and the study of languages. Uh, certainly no liberal by any stretch of the imagination. There's no concept of that. He says, quote, let me say to Bible students that we must be very careful how we use the word eternity. We have fallen into great error in our constant use of that word. There is no word in the whole book of God corresponding with our eternal, which is commonly used among us, means absolutely without end. So, if you have um, word studies in the New Testament by Dr. Vincent, um, he says it's a period of speech, um, that a, a type of speech that shows a period of shorter or longer duration. It, it doesn't have to be a long one either. It has a beginning, a middle, and an end. That word, the Greek scholars know that, and the translators weren't trying to hide it. They're trying to translate a concept using words that didn't have that same concept back then. And it's a struggle. I, I, I pray for translators and I thank God for them. It's a tough job, very tough job. And then there will be people, however, who are terrified and they will jump to places like Matthew 25 and verse 46, where it is used both of the soul's time in hell and of the, uh, of the time in heaven. And they're going, well then, you know, they're the same. No, none of these that we just looked at in scripture were the same. The length of God in Solomon's temple versus the length of, of circumcision, the length of the Aaronic priesthood, the, the, priest, the, the length of you know, the, the days of this age in, in Paul's time, none of those are the same amount of time, but they're all described by the same word. A word written by people who had faith faith in God, that he, as scripture says, determines the days, the times, and the seasons. So it truly is a matter of trust, a matter of faith. So I'm going to have to leave it there because I'm just looking. We've gone over 30 minutes. I don't believe we've ever done that on a Monday morning message. I will look at a, um, uh, I'll look at this one more time next week. And I hope that's not running this into the ground and driving you off, all right? Share it if you wish. If you have questions, I'm Patrick at OurSafeHarbor.com. God bless. I hope you have a lovely week.